I want to touch on your thoughts about neutral thinking. It is living in the moment. It is looking at every situation right now and it's the thought process of what decision do I need to make in this present moment to move me toward my goal. Rain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. Hi, I'm Nova Lorraine, your host and founder of Rain Magazine. And as you know, Rain Magazine is on a mission to inspire millions worldwide. We are excited to bring you another episode where we interview the gutsiest founders and rainmakers from around the globe in fashion, culture, and technology. Sit back and learn tips, hacks, and words of wisdom where you can unleash your superpowers. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Ryan Anderson, Esquire. Ryan is a human performance coach with a master's in counseling psychology and a law degree from Texas Tech School of Law. He not only works with the NFL Alumni Association, he also coaches CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, and other professional athletes. His focus is to increase their mental performance, mindset, and relationships. Ryan enjoys living in Austin, Texas with his seeing eye dog, Ziggy. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me, Nova. I'm really excited to be here. And I am excited to have you. I know you're really busy with your clients and everything. So I want to thank you again for taking some time out to allow our listeners to get some words of wisdom and to get to know you better. Of course. Your bio has human performance coach as your title. Can you explain a little bit about that and what that is exactly? Yeah, you know, it's something that it took me a while to come to. I started out as like a business coach, a mindset coach, and I just didn't feel that it was meeting the needs of my clients and really wasn't meeting kind of what I thought, what it required for humans to perform at their best. No, a mindset's great. It's a huge part of the game, but there's so much more than that, and it includes basically mind, body, and spirit. I like to focus on what it requires mentally to become stronger. And then spiritually, you can kind of view it as kind of a wellness, a holistic, you know, it can be religion for some people. It can be, you know, believe in a higher power for some people, or it can just be things like meditation, right? What you need to be healthy from that non-mind, non-body standpoint, whatever that may be for the client. And then, of course, the body, you know, it's really hard to have peak performance even mentally, emotionally, personality-wise, if you're simply physically not feeling good. I like to really focus on bringing all three together to make sure that my clients, whether they're CEOs, whether they're athletes, whether they're founders like yourself, you know, really can go on and kick ass every day that they're out there trying to accomplish the goals that they're working towards. That is pretty comprehensive. One of the things that I think really struck me when we initially met, which I think impacts you know your perspective and in, in coaching individuals, is the fact that you can't see. You right. early in life lost your vision. And as I had mentioned earlier, despite that, went on to not only get a law degree, which is, you know, most people with all of their senses are able to accomplish, but you then decided to pursue a master's in counseling. Congratulations to all of those accomplishments. And did you know way back then that you wanted to 
eventually help people with their own mindset. And I'm sure that's something that you have to deal with on a personal level in terms of deciding to get your counseling degree. Like, what was it that made you actually choose to pursue two advanced degrees? You know, I didn't have a clue that I wanted to do coaching when I was younger. It's funny, as far as like having a master's in counseling, like having a law degree, the reality is both of those were kind of, I got the master's in counseling site because it was something that I could do. Um, I knew I was good at really reading people as far as like their emotions, their tonal voice, knowing what they were thinking and really helping them understand what their problems were. It was naturally something I was good at. And it's funny because um, one of the reasons I was good at it is people are really good about hiding their like facial clues and stuff and their body language because it's visual. But they never think about hiding things like the tone of voice. It's weird, but like the fact that I, you know, couldn't see and had learned really basically to read people through the tone of voice and like maybe how fast they talk, how slow they talk. Like you just get to know. It's like this way of almost like a window to the soul through like people's verbal communications, right? It made me really good at it, and it's kind of why I went and got my master's. But you know, when I was done, I really wasn't ready to grow up and get a job, so I, I just kind of randomly went to law school thinking that's what I wanted to do. And then found out that it really wasn't for me. It just wasn't a good personality fit. I'll never regret the law degree, but it just, it wasn't a good personality fit. And as far as like, you know, how I kind of got into coaching, for me, it was kind of a personal integrity thing. I wanted to do something that I knew I could be great at. And I knew working with people as far as on a counseling kind of level, a mindset level or something, I continually learn, grow, and evolve at. And so as I got older, it's funny how you get older. You're like, time for me to really grow up, give back, and help people either in similar situations or help people achieve more or whatever. And I just kind of hit that point in my life where it was kind of like time to take all my experiences in life, take everything I had, I had gone through, all the lessons I had learned, all the mindset work I had done to increase my confidence, to increase my habits, to increase my performance, all that kind of stuff, and start helping people do similar things. So it was a really convoluted journey to get where I am now. But like all journeys, it was necessary to really get me to what I was meant to do, essentially. So you said a few things there that grabbed my attention. And one was that by pursuing coaching, and mm-hmm. having this ability to pay attention more to the tone of someone's voice or mm-hmm. the speed of how they're speaking, you know, little things mm-hmm. that we sort of take for granted. It always reminded mm-hmm. me of a Marvel movie or science fiction where mm-hmm. one handicap or disability helps strengthen other gifts or talents that mm-hmm. we may have. And using audio as your primary means of communication really helps you kind of stand out in your field as a coach, as mm-hmm. a listener, really paying attention to those things that with other cues, you may or may not need to be hyper vigilant about. That was something that I think is pretty cool that I'm talking to a real life superhero, everyone. Mm-hmm. And another thing that you mentioned that I find was interesting was that you chose not to pursue law after going through that program mm-hmm. because you felt that it wasn't a personality fit. Let's just look at that for a second. I mean, any advanced degree or getting into a program that offers an advanced degree takes quite a bit of effort. You know, I went on to grad school as Mm -hmm. well, and I know what that entails. And then to go through that time, energy, and financial commitment to come out, to be bold enough to say, you know what, this doesn't feel right. I'm going to pivot. 
especially with a law degree, because there's a lot of prestige that comes with that. So even just from an ego mm-hmm. standpoint, or, you know, who knows, you know, in terms of your parents' perspectives, but for a lot of families, getting a law degree is a pretty big deal. What do you mean you're not going to do anything with it? Mm-hmm. Right. So right. I, I thought that was really interesting that you chose, I guess, being happy, if I can say that, over what seemed to be the right thing to do at that moment in time. I graduated law school. Okay, now I'm going to become a lawyer. That's impressive because I know that a lot of entrepreneurs don't just come out of college or grad school or even high school saying, I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to start my business and then succeed right off the bat. A lot of them are pivoting in the middle Mm -hmm. of their careers. They have a family, they have commitments, they have obligations, and they're choosing to take that risk, to take that chance. The fact that you've done it yourself, I'm sure also helps tremendously when you're guiding others in your coaching practice. It does. Luckily for me, at the time that I did it, you know, I was in school, I was single, I didn't have a family, I didn't have kids. The reality is, like, that does change the dynamic because, I mean, if I failed, I wasn't going to hurt anybody but myself, right? I didn't have a spouse, kid, a mortgage that I had to worry about. That right there makes the decision easier. And those are, like, practical things that people have to think about when they're thinking about making a career pivot. However, that doesn't mean that that career pivot's not worth it. You mentioned the uh, ego thing as far as, like, the status of law degree. To me, a lot of that's just kind of like how you view stuff. So my dad, you know, has a high school degree. My mom has a math microbiology, but my dad owned a dairy for 30 years. So I grew up with, you know, parents that one had the, you know, the status job, the status title, and, you know, one had a high school degree and owned a business. So I never associated status with degree. So I think that helped a lot because I didn't have, my ego is never tied up in my law degree, like the title of lawyer, right? My ego has always been more tied up in being super successful in whatever I want to be super successful at, whether that was sports, whether that was relationships, whether that was education, you know, whether that was law school or you know, becoming an entrepreneur, right? And so I think that's a lot of, in my opinion, it's what helps a lot of people make that pivot is when they finally kind of make that mental shift, have that mindset shift of, you know, it's not what my title says that makes me great at what I do. It's my performance that makes me great at what I do. Once you kind of make that shift, it makes that pivot from, you know, prestigious job title to entrepreneur much, much easier because the reality is titles are empty. You know, titles are what you make of them. I mean, how many people were in a company and they all of a sudden redid the title and, you know, no more money came out of it, no more responsibility came out of it. But damn, that title sounds good. I don't get tied up in them. So you said you're Dad owned a dairy farm and your mom, mm-hmm. your mom is a teacher, a science teacher? Uh, she was at the time. Now she's a uh, microbiologist in a hospital. Growing up, she was a science teacher. Okay. So you have, I guess, both perspectives to play on. Again, when you're working with your clients, you have the yeah. entrepreneur with mm-hmm. a very unconventional business, if I must say. Yeah, and then absolutely. your mom going through a more traditional track and working in mm-hmm. a medical setting. So that's very cool. I want to touch on a little bit about some of your philosophies in coaching. Okay. For those that don't know, Ryan actually contributed to our bold issue that's currently out. And he wrote a column titled Fortune Favors the Bold. And I would love for you to go into detail on your thoughts behind that, why that title. And then I want to touch on your philosophy about neutral thinking. Let's touch on that. Fortune favors the bold. What inspired you? 
to write that story and focus around that? What does that mean to you? It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. And to me, it's a good reminder. Being bold is so much. It's bold in your thinking from a standpoint. It's thinking big. You know, It's not limiting yourself to what your friends think you can do or what society thinks you can do. So it's thinking big, thinking beyond what you even at the current time think your capabilities are. And it's making decisive choices that move you towards your goal every single day. And it's this living life with that focus of, I'm going to do, basically, I'm going to do whatever it takes to achieve my goal. And whether that could be business, that could be relationships, you know, that could be just going on and getting that degree after, you know, being out of school for 20 years, right? Like those are bold things that most people think are crazy, that, that people think are scary, right? By living life that way, it just allows you to accomplish so much more than you would be if you listen to the people who are okay with the status quo or the naysayers. I just love that philosophy because it's a constant reminder of life is short, life is precious. And if you want to live an exciting, dynamic life, go on and do incredible things, you're going to have to make these big, bold decisions that most people don't have the courage to do, right? Really, that's how you go on and live an extraordinary life, which is what I want to do, which what the people I work with want to do. I just think it's a very empowering philosophy that really kind of, if it doesn't give the people the courage, it kind of gives them the freedom that making those decisions are okay, that are appropriate. That's why I believe in it so much. I love it. I'm going to make sure that's one of <laughs> one of the things that I remember when I feel timid about a new opportunity is to live by those words. And I do believe being bold as it relates to stepping out of your comfort zone in a way that's going to bring you a positive outcome is super Absolutely, important. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes it does take that moment of being uncomfortable or whatever it is that comes with that anxiety that's short-lived before the goal is accomplished. So that's great. I want to touch on your thoughts about neutral thinking. That's not a term that we hear often. So I want you to go into that a little more detail. And how can that help anyone that's looking to improve their mindset or perform better as an entrepreneur, a founder, or an athlete? So this is a concept that I recently kind of came across. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. It's really coined by a guy named Trevor Moed, who wrote a book called It Takes What It Takes. And he's worked with a lot of professional athletes. He kind of invented the term. What he really, really did, in my opinion, was he expressed a concept that we've all heard about, which is be present, present thinking, right? And he retermed it and he kind of put it in terms that make it much more palatable, understandable, and workable for most people. And what neutral thinking really is, or present thinking, if you want to call it, it is living in the moment. It is looking at every situation right now, and it's the thought process of what behavior, what decision do I need to make in this present moment to move me toward my goal? And by doing that, if you're focused on the future, Really, the future is where anxiety lives. You're always worried about what might go wrong, what's going to happen. Did my daughter, you know, pass her test, right? Did my son, did he break his arm or something like that, right? You're always worried about that. And then past thinking, when you're worried about the past, it's really where depression lives, right? Because there's always regret over some decision that you either made or didn't make where something didn't work out the way that you wanted to. And that makes people really sad. And so by consciously focusing on the present, keeping that neutral thinking. The concept comes from like a car. You know, you have forward, 
you have reverse, but you got to go to neutral before you can go from forward to reverse, right? It's a really good like illustration of what's being talked about. It's just that being in the middle where you are just focused on what decision do I have to make to move me to my next goal. And by living there, you know, there's no anxiety because the brain can only focus on one thought at a time. So if you're focused on what you're doing right now, you can't be nervous about what might happen in the future. You can't be upset about what happened in the past. You can only be focused on what am I doing right now to move me to my next behavior. And, and so like, like an example would be, so a quarterback, you know, making a play, right? He's reading the defense. He's making sure he's get the snap off before the clock. Once the snap is done, he's reading the defense again as it's changing and knowing, okay, based on these three different cues, I need to go here with the ball. By focusing on that, that's what he's worried about. What steps do I need to do to complete the pass? He's not worried about if I throw it here, it might be intercepted. He's not worried about the fact that on the same play 25 plays ago, I threw an interception. He can't be. He can only be focused on what do I need. And that's such a free place to be. It's such a simple concept, but it's not easy to do. Because the reality is, without practice, without training, without being diligent about it, you're going to slip into what might go wrong, which is the future. Or you're going to slip into what did go wrong in the past. It's a simple concept. It's not an easy concept. But if you can get there, it makes making decisions so easy. Because, you know, what makes decisions complicated is our past experiences or our future anxieties. Mm. But if you can just look at the situation as currently presented to you, decisions become very easy because you don't have to fight against past experiences and you don't have to fight against future anxieties. You're just making decisions based on the facts. And that's why I'm so passionate about it and I find it so powerful. So neutral thinking is the same as being in the now, being present that yeah. we're always mm-hmm. hearing about. And as you so nicely stated and was is actually pretty powerful to think oh, about is if you are too far ahead in your mm-hmm. thoughts, then you're getting those feelings of anxiety. And then if you are sad or regretful or depressed, then you are too far in the past dwelling on what you should have done or could have done or didn't do. And so by shifting, going back to your car analogy, by mm-hmm. shifting into neutral and letting go of expectations, future thoughts, past regrets or whatever, past memories, then there's really no anxiety because you're here. You're here and you're right now. Right. And right. so it's sort of going into this space of neutral thinking where it's okay if right now I'm doing a podcast interview this is the moment that I'm in right now I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. oh when is the you know next interview happening you know and so that's pretty cool that's a really really good philosophy to live by because you do hear a lot about be in the now be present and right. my but whole what thing does that is really well, mean, right? you know, what does that mean you know and especially for mm-hmm. those that have developed a habit of always being two steps ahead or two days ahead or three weeks ahead or staying in the past and rethinking and reanalyzing what did or should have happened. How can you tell someone like that to be in the now if they don't even know what that is, if the habit has not yet been developed? So I like the fact of just recognizing our feelings as a way of sort of shifting back into neutral. 
that leads me to my next point about habits. So we're, we're talking about habits. You had mm-hmm. recommended a book to me not too long ago by James Clear called Atomic Habits, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I found that book fascinating and extremely impactful. And I would love to hear why that was a recommendation and what that book means to you. You know, it's funny because like based on the title, Atomic Habits, I think the most important thing out of the book uh, is all the habits stuff that you learn. And for a lot of people, it's going to be the most important stuff because, you know, creating good habits is really what leads to a successful hour, successful day, successful life, essentially, right? And it does do that. For me, and I know for you, the most powerful part of the book was when he talked about identity, right? And what identity is, it's how you view yourself and basically your role in the world, like who you are, what you do, and how what you do kind of affects the world. And I'll give you an example uh, based on me. Up until I lost my vision at 11 years old, like my goal in life was to be an NFL quarterback. Could I have done it physically? I don't know. I was never able to go on to gridiron and, and prove myself one way or the other. It's one of the things where I know absolutely I could have done it intellectually, personality-wise, drive-wise, competition-wise. But the funny part about it is, you know, identity is formed very young in people. And I didn't realize until reading this book how much I still have that NFL quarterback identity to me as a person. And it wasn't so much the athletic performance part of it. It was all of the intangible parts that I associate with being a good NFL quarterback. Things like leadership, things like being prepared. Things like being calm and cool under pressure, right? Being confident. And so much of how I viewed what an NFL quarterback was or should be was determining not only how I viewed the world and how I should behave as a man, but really starts, you know, how you identify yourself determines really the activities that you do, the habits that you have. So for me, it was like I work out all the time. They don't just like run on a treadmill. Like I work out like a professional athlete. Like I mean, I'm doing kettlebells, I'm doing squats, I'm doing crazy stuff that professional athletes do because that's how I see myself, right? When I carry myself, I walk a lot of authority, a lot of confidence. Again, it's because that's how I see myself. The important part is like if you start to really examine your identity, how you view yourself in the world, you'll start to notice how that identity is determining the habits that you have the friends that you associate with, the clothes that you wear, the job that you have. It's crazy. And so, again, I became passionate about it because, in my opinion, if you're happy with your identity and it's, you know, if you're living the life you want to live as a result, great, don't change a thing. You are perfect. But if you are not happy with your life and the way it's going and what you're doing, by changing your identity, which is not easy to do, by the way, but it is possible, you really start to now start to change the behaviors that you're doing. And the reality is behaviors lead to the results that you ultimately want in your life. That's why I'm super, super passionate about it. Yeah, actually, that was one of the things that stood out to me as well. You know, having my background in psychology, I love that part of the conversation in the book. And you're absolutely right. We don't necessarily wake up saying, oh, I identify with being a football player or a writer Mm -hmm. or a dancer. You just do. Oh, I love to play football. I love to hang out with my friends. You know, I love to express myself through movement, whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily consciously saying, I identify as this person, this role, this title. But it does absolutely dictate 
the tribe we are attracted to or the actions that we're taking or the habits that we're developing, speaking of atomic habits. And so maybe even just asking yourself, well, what do I identify with? And is this playing towards my goals and helping me be more successful or is it holding me back? And, you know, it's interesting the story you shared in terms of as a young kid, your goal and dream was, I'm going to grow up to be an NFL football player. And Mm -hmm. here you are at 11 years old, you know, losing your sight unexpectedly. And then it's like, whoa, you know, everything changes. But what you identified with for so long Mm -hmm. was still with you here as an Mm -hmm. adult. And it's amazing that reading this book and you realize like, oh, wait a minute, I still identify with this football player and all these things that go with it and getting a better understanding of yourself and actions. And that's really cool. And then also being able to use that information to help guide your clients, I think is very powerful Mm -hmm. because I think it is something that we don't think about, but it's so, so important in terms of what Mm -hmm. motivates us and drives us or creates those obstacles for us. And so that's a really, really good point to bring up. So thank you for that. One other thing before we go, I want to touch on in your posts on Instagram, maybe in your posts or your profile, but I do remember a statement that you made where to the effect of vision is more than just seeing. I know I'm not getting it like a hundred percent. Like what is it that, what was that statement? I thought that was something that was pretty powerful as well. Vision Vision is is the art of seeing what's invisible to others. Say that one more time. Vision is the art of seeing what's invisible to others. Vision is the art of seeing what is invisible, what's to, invisible to others. And to me, it was powerful for two reasons. Because A, you know, a I couldn't see it, so it's not a plan word. But B, it, it is, when you're a visionary, you know, you are looking at basically in the future, right? Which is funny that we talked about don't be in the future earlier. And one of the points I want to make was when we were talking about didn't want to be in the future earlier. You still have to like plan goals for the future but you don't need to live your everyday life looking in the future. So that I didn't make that point clear. So basically visionaries are looking toward the future. Like where are trends going? Where's the world going? Where do I want to go? And the reality is that is invisible to most people. Visionaries see the future and then they reverse engineer what behaviors do I need to do to help take myself, take my company, take my employees, take my followers, guide them to the future. That's what I loved about that quote is, for me, it kind of played on both levels, but it's just that that power of if you can see the future, which most people can't, you can help guide them essentially where they need to go. I just thought that was a super, super powerful quote. And it is. It's a fun play on words. As you said, as you were saying that visionaries can see the future and they can guide people to see that too and take them there. You know, when you Think of some of the inventors around us and in our past. Yeah. Yeah. And artists and writers and Mm -hmm. filmmakers, historians. I mean, the list goes on and on. I love that. So thank you. But I was like, wait a minute. You know, that's not the typical quote that you would expect to read in a profile, you know, for someone who does not have their sight. And that was one of the reasons why that it did stick with me so much. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, vision is much more than what we take the Mm -hmm. face value for. Thank you for sharing those tips of wisdom. And it's time to go. But I had so much fun sharing your story with our listeners. And I hope our listeners equally took something from all the great advice that you were sharing with us as it relates to habits and identity 
and what it means to be a visionary and, and some of the other great things that you've mentioned. So thank you again for taking a few moments in between your busy day to be with us today. I want to thank everyone who's listening again for joining us for another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. And as you know, where we here on this show is where we bridge the gap between creativity and entrepreneurship. So if you have any questions for me and or Ryan on anything that we discussed today, please email me at nl at rainmagazine.com. And again, that's nl at rainmagazine.com. And as you know, we release a new episode every two weeks. So tune in again for our next show. And thank you again, Ryan. And until next time. Thank you.